Hey guys, this is Drake. Thanks so much for tuning in to our City Church podcast here. It's an honor to have you. Hey, at the end of this episode, we'd love for you to take a moment, subscribe to this podcast channel if you haven't already. Also subscribe to our YouTube channel so we can continue to serve you with content that we're putting out on a weekly basis. And in addition, if we can serve you in any way or connect with you in community in any way, you can visit our website at citychurchboulder.com and we would love to connect with you there. And lastly, and most importantly, I hope this content is helpful to you. It's encouraging, it's inspiring, and you leave better than you showed up. Enjoy. Thanks, guys. How's it going? Welcome. My name is Maddie. I'm so glad that you're here today. Honored for this opportunity to share today's message. We are currently on week six in our current series, Followers. I've been absolutely loving this series as we're digging into just what it means to be a follower of Jesus. It's been equally encouraging and also kind of hurting my feelings a little bit. Anybody else kind of feeling that? Cool. Okay. That makes me feel a little bit better. Sweet. So just to recap for you real quick, in case you have missed the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about this idea of intentional transformation or how we change. Drake has been using this paradigm. Um, I think it's been a helpful visual just to see how teaching practices and community all function together, rooted in the strength and power of the Holy Spirit to lead to transformation in our lives. Last week, Drake discussed teaching. Today, we're going to be focusing on practices, and next week, he'll wrap up with community. So with that said, the reason that we have been taking a deep dive into each of these three disciplines is simple. As a follower of Jesus, my first and greatest goal is to look more like him every day, to model my life after the way that he lived. And intentional transformation is the way we get there by embracing teaching, practicing the ways of Jesus, and living life in and with community. We've been hearing Drake say it every week, but here it is again. To be an apprentice of Jesus or a follower of Jesus is to organize your life around three goals. First, to be with Jesus, to become like Jesus, and to do what he did. So before anything else, Jesus wants a relationship with us, right? To be with him. He desires for us to know him, know his character and how deeply we are seen and known and loved by him. That's number one. From there, we are called to become like Jesus. This is where transformation happens in our heart. These are the things God wants to change on the inside. Again, before we are asked to do anything for God, it's what he wants for you. This is where our character begins to look more and more like God's character and the desires of his heart become the desires of ours. Lastly here, to do what he did. Uh, this can look like many things. Drake touched on this a couple of weeks ago. It's sharing the good news, the gospel, living on mission, where you live, work, and play, neighboring, intentionally, serving, generosity, acts of kindness, and faith, gathering in community to worship and pray and make disciples. That list um, goes on. And so that is what we strive for, to be with Jesus, to become like Jesus, and to do what he did. These spiritual disciplines or practices we see from the life of Jesus, what we're going to be talking about today are simply the applicable things that we can do to accomplish this. So in a bit, we'll dive into some specific examples of practices we see from the life of Jesus and his design and intention for them in our lives. But first, what I want to do today is uh, address the problem. Uh, We're going to get heavy for just a few minutes and then it gets good, I promise. But I think it's really important to kind of flesh out why we need the spiritual disciplines to give us just a good understanding as to why Jesus developed and lived out these practices and why we are called to live them out. So the problem is these disciplines were designed to solve. So 
To understand the problem today, we need to jump all the way back really quick to the origin of sin. And that word sin, by the way, can best be translated, I think, as anything outside of God's will or his design or desire for our lives. Translated from the Greek, it literally means to miss the mark or to fall short. So it all started with Adam and Eve in the garden. We all know this one, right? God said, don't eat the fruit. They ate the fruit. Sin entered the world. That is the most condensed version of that story that I can tell you. Um, there's a lot more to that, but for the sake of our time today, um, all I want to focus on is these couple of verses. We're going to be looking at Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. So at this point, God has created the world and everything in it, including Adam and Eve. He's called it good, and they're in the garden, and he has given them one command, which is simply to not eat the fruit from the tree of life. Again, Sparknotes version of this story, but there's your context. We'll jump in right here. Verse 1. The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Of course we may eat the fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. God said, you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. The woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious, and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it too. So what I want to point out here, my reason for showing you these verses and choosing this story why sin entered the world. In this example, sin was Adam and Eve disobeying the command that God had given them. And this sin, and arguably all sin, originates from one lie. The lie that God isn't all good, that his way isn't the best way for us, that there's something better, that the world has more to offer. I can't help but read this and think that Eve must have had some kind of internal battle going on in her mind in this moment, right? This pull that we all feel between God's way and the world. And that's a problem that we're addressing today, that we live in a world full of temptation and brokenness, surrounded by things calling out for our attention and devotion, constantly trying to pull us away from God. This is better. This will make you happier. This will make you feel good constantly. And it's exhausting. I feel it every day. We all do, to some extent, this daily battle in our souls between God's way and the world. And that's not to say, guys, that everything in the world is bad and sinful and all you should do is pray and read your Bible and fast, right? The problem is simply when the things of this world start to drown out the presence and power of God in our lives, when you're not giving him any room to move and work in your life because we're convinced over and over again that the world has something better to offer. In Romans chapter 7, verse 23, Paul says it this way, that there is another power within us that is at war with our minds. Told you it was going to get heavy for a minute. Um, but again, I think it's so important to recognize and acknowledge the world that we live in today and our own brokenness. But here's the good news. What's so stinking cool is that these spiritual disciplines that Jesus modeled for us are intended to be tools, weapons even, that Jesus in his incredible mercy has given us to fight this daily fight, tools to give God the room in your life to lead you down the best path. Just in case you're thinking, Goodness, that kind of sounds like a lot. I have to fight a battle in my soul every day. What the heck? What about the easy yoke? Isn't life with Jesus supposed to be a good thing? Let me encourage you with this. At the end of the day, guys, we're not fighting for victory. The day you gave your life to Jesus, the battle, the war for your soul was won. And now we get to fight from victory. 
right? Jesus doesn't promise us an easy life, but he does promise us a better one. And now we get to fight from the truth that God is good, that he is for us, that Jesus died for us, for our sins, to make us one with him. And now we have him on our side, so what can stand against us? So guys, take so much confidence in the truth that nothing can separate you from the love of God. That's not what this conversation is about. This is not about saving yourself. This is not about earning God's love. That's taken care of. This isn't about just looking better on the outside. These practices, these spiritual disciplines are simply the tools that God has given us to fight this daily fight, to grow closer to him and one another and ultimately lead to transformation, training our heart, mind, soul, and spirit to look more like Jesus. And that's what I want to focus on for the rest of our time today. This is the promise that we have from Jesus that through practicing and living out these spiritual disciplines, we will see and experience change in our lives change from the things that we do that we don't want to do, transformation from the things within us that aren't good. I think we can all agree, right, that there are things in each of us that can change for the better. We all want to change in some way, just things you wish were better in yourself. If not, I do apologize, and none of this will be helpful for you, but I think most of us can agree to some extent we desire to change, both for ourselves and for the people around us. No matter where you're at on your spiritual journey today, we all have some desire to improve and to grow. So I want to share another passage with you. This is from uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 24 through 27. This is from Paul. He says, Don't you realize that in a race everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize? So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I am not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. So first things first, before we dive into this analogy, I want to define this term discipline. Might be important. We're using that word a lot in this series. So just textbook definition, not spiritual uh, discipline, just discipline. This is from John Mark Homer. He says that a discipline is any activity I can do by direct effort that will eventually enable me to do that, which currently I cannot do by direct effort. So looking at these verses from Paul, he's using the analogy of athletics, right, to help explain our role and how we are to utilize the spiritual disciplines in our lives. A few weeks ago, Drake used the example of running a marathon, which he has absolutely no right to do because he's not a runner, and I had this analogy planned out weeks ago, so I'm going to use it too. But think about it like this. Most of us can't just decide to run a marathon, walk out our front door, and run 26 miles, right? Maybe you can. Good for you. But for the rest of us normal people, we have to train, right? You start small with just two or three miles, then next week you run five, and then six until you can work your way up to your goal. It's the same idea for any team sport. You practice throughout the week before a game, a musical instrument. You practice your instrument before a show or a performance. And so what Paul is trying to get at here is that the disciplines to the life of Jesus are what training is to running a race. Practicing scales are to playing the piano. Drills are to playing soccer. You get the idea. And so to add on to that, these spiritual disciplines specifically are practices based on the lifestyle of Jesus love this, that create a time and space for us to access the power and presence of the Holy Spirit, and in doing so, be transformed from the inside out. So I want to throw up a list on the screen here in a second of a handful of some of the spiritual disciplines we see 
from the life of Jesus. Again, just a handful, not an extensive list, but I think this will be helpful um, just to give a good idea of kind of what we're talking about today, what Paul is referring to, and just to use as some examples. So we've got silence and solitude, quiet, alone time with God, prayer, talking to Jesus, fasting, giving up something that we love for something we love even more, community, spending time with people, developing relationships, partying, Jesus partied, Um, the Bible, reading and meditating on the word of God, Sabbath or day of rest, Sunday gatherings, what we're doing right now, you're here, good job, communion, (laughs) we've got worship, serving, simplicity, celebration, grieving, confession, forgiveness, gratitude. These are common examples of what we see from the practices of Jesus and how he lived. And each, I believe, God works to develop in different seasons of our life, depending on what tool we need. The practices, each of these, have unique and specific purposes. For example, if you're struggling with pride, get yourself in a deeper community. It is really hard to be prideful when there's people to call you out. Um, If you need wisdom, crack open the Bible. I hear there's a lot of good, helpful information in there. If you're struggling with selfishness or self-centeredness, serve more. Again, it is really hard to be focused on yourself when you literally have to be focused on someone else's needs. If you're struggling to stick to a budget, practice simplicity. If you're a workaholic, press into Sabbath. If you're struggling with addiction, work fasting into your practices. If you're struggling with bitterness, practice gratitude to combat that. Guys, each and every one of these disciplines were designed for our growth and transformation to look more like Jesus. And that's what this conversation is all about. I want to emphasize that none of this is about just looking better on the outside. This is not about following a list of rules and to-dos. It's about following Jesus, right? The person. The best thing about being a follower of Jesus is Jesus, right? And as followers, we simply believe that he is worth following. So the invitation today, and this is all invitational, is to just pray and think about right now, this season of life that you're in, what do you need, right? What are you struggling with? Where do you want to change? Where do you need to grow? Think about your habits, what Drake talked about last week. What are you doing and what is it doing to you? Meditate on that list and pray for where God might want you to press in. And hear me on this too, guys. If being with Jesus is still something you're figuring out or growing in or exploring, that should absolutely be your first and greatest priority. Some of these disciplines can help you grow in that. Um, But if you're new to faith or just trying to figure out what you believe, some of these won't be helpful for you right now, and that's okay. God wants to meet you exactly where you are. So start small. We're not about comparison here. We're not going to ask you next week, okay, How many disciplines did you practice this week? Only five? Yikes. No. Goodness, no. This is all about practice, not performance. So I'll say it again, guys. This entire conversation is invitational. With your greatest interest on God's heart, this is not about gaining brownie points, right, or earning God's love or salvation. It's definitely not about earning any kind of approval or worth with people. Nothing is about that, literally ever. You are loved. God loves you, period. It's because God loves you that he wants to see change in your life. I believe that you are loved exactly as you are always, but I also believe that God loves you too much to let you stay that way. A few weeks ago, I asked uh, Danielle and Michelle to share with me just one discipline that, after choosing to practice regularly, has impacted them the most and why, how they have seen the fruits of that discipline change their lives. Michelle shared with me that uh, close community and discipleship was one of the disciplines that has affected her life the most. She said in the times that she has opened herself up to deeper relationships, she has grown the most spiritually and closer to God through challenging and encouraging others and being challenged and encouraged and being challenged and encouraged herself. 
Danielle chose prayer. She said, I've seen where it started as a checklist of things to talk to God about and watched it grow to where I am now, which is talking to him as a father who loves me and a friend who genuinely cares about my thought process and desires to help me work through it. He cares about sharing burdens with me and helps me refocus my thoughts on rejoicing and filling me with peace. So good. So I wanted to share those examples with you for two reasons. One, to show just what practicing these disciplines can do for your life, right? Your relationship with God and others, your mental and emotional health, the list goes on. Um, Secondly, though, that we are all going to have different disciplines that impact us more than others, some that naturally fill us up and in turn, some that are more challenging. Some of you may need to listen to worship music every day. That's where you fill your cup. Maybe you need to stick to your weekly Sabbath or you feel the weight of burnout in your week. You need community. You need to serve. There will be disciplines that you need more than others and that you experience Jesus in more than others. And I believe that that's intentional. I believe that God created you uniquely and individually, both for the plans that he has for you out in the world, but also in your relationship with him. And I think that it's okay to acknowledge that you gain life from some disciplines and others stretch you out of your comfort zone. Um, But either way, though, guys, each and every discipline was designed by God to fill your soul, to draw you closer to Jesus, and to guide your journey to transformation, to change. So again, a spiritual discipline is a way to access power to the Holy Spirit. Another way of putting it would be that it's a way to partner with God to change. We have a part to play in our own discipleship, our own growth and transformation. With that said, it is not a 50-50 thing between you and God. We maybe have like 5% of the responsibility, Jesus the other 95, Um, but that 5% does make a big difference and these spiritual disciplines are our part to play. So by practicing these disciplines, we are simply opening our mind, body, and life to the Holy Spirit to do the deep transformation in our souls. It's us saying, God, I'm here. You're here. We're together. Use me. Change me. You are tapping into the presence and power of God. Drake has touched on this um, a few times in the last couple of weeks. And just to elaborate further, because I think it's so important, he said following Jesus isn't about trying really hard. It's about training really hard. So let's go back to our sports examples, right? If you play soccer, you're not just going to skip practice all week, show up on game day and say, I'm just going to try really hard and hopefully I'll be okay. No, you're not going to show up to your marathon on race day and say, I'm just going to try really hard to run 26 miles, even though I haven't trained at all. No, you train, and it is the same idea as a follower of Jesus. So you're not going to go out into the world tomorrow and just try really hard to stop doing that thing that you want to stop doing or try really hard to not be judgmental or critical at work and not get frustrated with your spouse and not spend too much money on yourself all speaking from experience, whatever it is for you, all that's going to do is leave you feeling discouraged, right? Because you're going to fail because we can't do this. We can't change on our own. But Jesus, he sees all of it, all your junk and says, here's the way, right? Here are the tools. Use these to train your mind, heart, and body for everyday life. He says, give me your 5% and I'll take care of the rest. The spiritual disciplines, guys, are the way we can point ourselves, mind, heart, body, soul in the right direction, redirect our focus and priorities and desires. The more you practice the spiritual disciplines, the more you'll want to practice the spiritual disciplines. On the flip side, the less you practice them, the less you will desire them. And that's simply because the more you practice them, you see the outcome in your daily life, right? You recognize you're more loving to the people around you. You have that unexplainable peace in your heart, more joy, more patience, whatever it is for you. God promises that these disciplines lead to transformation. 
And when we start seeing the fruit of that in our lives, it feels good. It's attractive, right? We want more of it. But again, on the opposite side, when we're not practicing these disciplines, we're not seeing transformation. And we're simply feeding the desires of our body, heart, and mind with cheap substitutes and convincing ourselves that it's better than the real thing. And we don't desire God because we're not giving him any room, any space to move and work and show us the life that he has for us. A few weeks ago, we wrapped up 21 days of prayer and fasting as a church for three weeks. We gave up something that we loved for something that we love even more. Drake put it this way as well, that fasting can be a way of putting away our loudest desires to make room for our deepest desire, Jesus. To be transparent with you, I was struggling quite a bit. I was having a really hard time getting started with that fast. Some things were going on that just made it really difficult to make it a priority. So I put it off for a while, told myself I'd start when things calmed down, and I decided to fast from personal purchases. Um, and so I get to my day one, morning comes, and there I am at the Starbucks drive through I could not believe how easy it was for me to give in, and the next day, something similar, and it was really beating me down. I was like, am I the weakest person on the planet that I cannot say no to a cup of coffee? But I realized a few things. I guess I should say God taught me a few things um, through that experience. First, that community is so important. <laughs> I realized I was trying to stick to this fast without really inviting anyone in to hold me accountable or to come alongside me in that. And it was so easy to blow it off, right, when I knew that no one was watching, which that's also kind of an integrity issue, but that's another conversation. So um, I also realized um, just in the craziness of the week prior, the time and opportunity I had um, to practice silence and solitude was pretty minimal. So I was attempting to practice fasting when my intimacy with Jesus was basically suffering. And that's what we're called to first, right, to be with Jesus. And possibly the biggest lesson that God taught me in all of that was that when we neglect the spiritual disciplines, silence and solitude, prayer, the desires of our flesh get louder and stronger, right? Because we're not feeding our souls with our deepest desire, which is Jesus. And practicing the spiritual disciplines are how we feed our souls and how we give God the space in our lives to lead us and shape us, not our own desires. So before we wrap up, um, Daniel, you can come on up. I want to share something I found pretty encouraging um, in digging into the spiritual disciplines and how we experience the presence and power of God in our lives. I learned that we all connect with God in our own way, which is so cool. The times that I have felt closest to God has uh, and have experienced his presence the most has been through worship. When Daniel hits those high notes, I'm soaring, right? Anybody else? Yes. Uh, my husband, Seth, on the other hand, he does not. And for the longest time, I thought something was wrong with him. I was like, why don't you love worship music? This is the greatest thing ever. You should probably work on that. Maybe pray about it. I don't know. You're missing out. I'm the worst. But I have come to learn that we really all do connect with the presence of God in different ways. So John Mark Comer he shared nine sacred pathways to experiencing God, and I want to share them with you. Number one, we have the naturalists. Loving God outdoors. You really connect with God out in nature, whether that's in the mountains, on the ocean, watching the sunset, you experience God in the outdoors. Number two are the sensates. Loving God with the senses. This can be good food, a crisp craft beer just does it for you. This would be music or beauty, just connecting with God through your senses. Number three, we have the traditionalists, loving God through ritual and symbol, experiencing the presence and power of God through tradition and culture. This can be communion and hymns. There's a lot of space there. Number four are the ascetics, loving God in solitude and simplicity. This is for my introverts in the room. You just want to be alone with God and pray and fast. All the power to you. 
Number five are the activists, loving God through confrontation. These are my Enneagram type eights in the room. Social justice just gets your juices flowing. I love it. You experience and connect with God through fighting for what you believe in. Number six are the caregivers, loving God by loving others. My Enneagram type twos in the room. You feel the presence and power of God through good works and generosity towards others. Number seven are the enthusiasts, loving God with mystery and celebration. My type sevens in the room. Sorry to keep connecting these to Enneagram types. It just keeps working. But um, these types, um, you love God through partying, having fun, laughter. That's awesome. Number eight are the contemplatives, loving God through adoration. These are my people, just embracing the presence of God through worship and praise and gratitude. Number nine, last but not least, the intellectuals, loving God with the mind. You connect with God by learning more about his creation and the way people in the world work. And I just get really excited about talking about each of those because I think that it's so cool that even in the way that we experience God and love God is unique. And in the same way, Jesus has given us the freedom to choose and tap into the disciplines that make you come alive in your abiding with him. So as you guys leave today, and head into this week, I want to encourage you just to explore the practices that we see from Jesus. Start with that list. Can we go back to that list of uh, spiritual disciplines? There we go. Thank you. <laughs> Start here and dig in. At the beginning of this year, we spent three weeks um, diving into the practice of silence and solitude. So go back and listen to that series. There's messages on our podcast and our YouTube page that take a deep dive into some of these uh, specific practices. Sabbath, Drake spoke on gratitude, simplicity. There's a message on fasting. We have a page on our website with resources for some of these as well. Invite your group in for accountability. Remember, guys, we can't do this alone. So I urge you to invite community into this journey with you. And again, start small. God wants to meet you exactly where you're at. That can mean picking up a new practice or pressing into something you've been putting off. This isn't always about doing more. Sabbath is a practice of doing less, literally stopping what you're doing to just be with Jesus and rest. So if you're in a season of busyness and exhaustion, maybe that's something that you press into. And guys, I want to make sure that it's so clear that this is not about going out into your day and trying really hard to start something, to stop something else. It shouldn't feel daunting or scary and more work to do, more to add to your plate. This should be encouraging, knowing that Jesus has given us tools, that's all they are, to live a better life. Tools for how to change, all for your good and all by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's look at that triangle again. Teaching, practice, community. All things for us to press into, but right there in the middle of all of it, the Holy Spirit, the center of this whole conversation, the source of life change and strength. None of this matters without that peace. And it's the love of the Holy Spirit in us that drives us to change, to press into teaching, to practice the ways of Jesus, and to do it all with community. If you're not a follower of Jesus in the room, I want you to hear first that Jesus wants a relationship with you, that you were invited today to trust in him, that he is who he says he is, that he did what he said he did, that you were invited to just be with him, where you will find forgiveness and love and peace and grace, and then to know that you were invited into a journey of following him. If you want to know more about why Jesus is a guy worth following, come find me on the lobby. Any of our staff, we'd love to chat with you. We'd love to get you plugged in to a city group. Just know that you are welcome exactly as you are. And lastly, remember, guys, that transformation isn't going to happen overnight. Change is long and slow, so repetition is key. Remember, it's about training, 
not trying. It's going to take some work. It's going to take some time. You're going to fail, and that's okay. What did your mama tell you growing up? Practice makes perfect, right? The good news, guys, is that we have a lifetime ahead of us of discipleship to Jesus, a lifetime of growing pains and challenges to overcome, but also a lifetime of joy and love and Jesus right there by your side the whole way. Let's pray. God, I just want to say thank you so much for my friends in the room, each and every heart. It's an honor, it's a privilege to get to gather together in community, to worship together, um, to learn more about you. God, I just pray that as we head out into this week, that you would just be with us, giving us guidance and clarity on, on next steps. Jesus, thank you for the promise that your Holy Spirit is with us, living in us, working through us, and that all of this happens by your power and strength in us. And so I just thank you, God, that we are known and seen and loved by you. Thank you, Jesus, for how you modeled um, these disciplines. Thank you for these tools that you have given us to grow, to look more like you, to change all for the better. Amen.